Well, good morning, everybody. First of all, I want to just uh, thank you and just also point out the uh, obvious, if you've been with us uh, seasonally over the past uh, two, three more uh, years, you know that around this time of year there are additional things that are asked of you, um, whether it be a Operation Christmas Child shoebox or a spaghetti uh, dinner for social concerns. In just a little while, I'll be collecting or handing out uh, children for uh, Christmas, for the Christmas outreach, just a variety of different things. But uh, just to, first of all, thank you for the way in which uh, St. John's uh, just in a mighty way comes alongside the work of missions uh, across our community and around the world. And uh, just let you know that sometimes those come in bunches. It seems like in the spring there's a lot of things, and in the late fall, early winter there's a lot, but uh, just let let you know that that's part of who we are as a congregation and also just uh, a way that we further extend the ministry, not just within the walls, but outside the walls. Uh, so we recognize and we try to keep those uh, requests down so that every week we're not asking for a, an additional thing, but you know probably that those things uh, crop up and I want to thank you for your consideration of those, for your faithfulness inside of that. And I uh, just look forward to seeing here inside of the uh, the winter months as we continue to spread the, the love of Jesus inside of our community and also around the world, uh, the difference that that makes um, for the cause of Christ. If you uh, have been with us, we here for the fall are focusing on the words of Jesus. Uh, we have said that these are uh, I am statements that come out of the book of John. Uh, John is writing uh, decades after the other gospel writers, and so he organizes his gospel not necessarily in chronological order but more topically around seven signs that Jesus did and seven statements that Jesus made about himself. Those seven statements are first person uh, definitive I am statements. Uh, they're self-descriptive, they're self-proclaiming, they're self-identifying who Jesus is uh, not just to the disciples, not just to uh, the ancient world inside of his incarnation but who he is uh, present tense inside of our lives as well. And so as we've thought about those, they're all word pictures. They're not just uh, philosophical statements. They're not theological statements. They are uh, word pictures of what this looks like. And so uh, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And so I've come to bring light and direction and navigation and life inside of what has taken place in not just in the years that you live on this earth, but for eternity. I'm the light of the world. He said, I'm the gate for the sheep, and, and so the, the pathway going in and coming out uh, is through me. Your provision, your protection is found in me. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the source, the nourishment, the, the strength, the, all that you need and what life is about is found in who I am. He says, I'm the good shepherd. You can hear my voice, that we can have a relationship together. And then we're going to go on, and, and there are seven of these. And so this week is week number five. But inside of these word pictures, again, we get a picture of who Jesus is. And one of the statements that we've made is, whether this is necessary for you or not, I guarantee you there are people inside of your life who say they may be done with church, or they may have had a bad experience with a Christian, or they might no, not know what they feel about the Bible, or is Genesis, you know, one to eight, is it history, or is it just myth, and they've... they've struggled through all these different questions that either college or a bad experience or something they've read on the internet has lifted up, but there's still a respect and an admiration for Jesus. 
So just this morning, I was talking to somebody here at St. John's who said that she's been trying to be more intentional about inviting people. By the way, it's about, what, 1.1 1 1 every 2.6 weeks, right? We're going to seek to in invite somebody. Uh, we're aiming for those, those numbers. But she said she's been trying to be more intentional about inviting, and just this week she was talking to somebody who says uh, that the girl's response to her is, I love Jesus, but I've never set foot in a church my entire life. I love Jesus, I have respect, admiration, I love everything about Jesus, but I've never been inside of a Christian church. That is, as odd as it seems, that's more and more the case inside the world in which we live. Why not go back to the source? Why not go back to when you strip it all away and say, you don't have to figure out all these things you have questions about or opposition to, or things that maybe get in the way or stand in the way of faith, but would you just consider Jesus? And if we start there and then we begin to build from there what it looks like to follow him and belong to him, what if that were the case? Would that make a difference? I don't know, but that's kind of where we um, are going and the approach that we're taking uh, this fall. So uh, this morning's passage is also a very, very familiar one, not just because all of these I am statements are familiar, but because we just talked about this back in June. And uh, I can pick on this a little bit because I wasn't the one doing it, but Bill uh, in the third weekend in June, talk to you uh, about this I am statement, I am the vine. So we're going to play a little game here. I got 10 questions. I'm going to quiz you on how much you remember from Bill's sermon on the third weekend of June 2019. That's not fun for anybody except me, maybe. But uh, so, by the way, we could do that for any other week throughout the year, too, and that, that would be the case. So sorry, Bill. Uh, but you will find this familiar and, and uh, some things, again, that are going to dovetail with that, but that particular series was from the aspect of grow and growth and what it looks like for us as Christians to prioritize growth. Today we're coming at it from the angle of who Jesus says he is. And so while you might hear some of the same things, it's uh, a different message in terms of how it fits inside the overall series. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and I am uh, not reading out of the NIV uh, today, and so... Um, the words might be a little bit different. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear even more fruit. You have already been cleaned or cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and, and I in them bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. And so the, this passage, and the reason I read a different translation we'll get to in just a couple of moments, but uh, this occurs right in a five-chapter segment, um, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Actually, uh, six chapters, but a little bit into 18, but John 13 to 17 
all takes place in the context of Jesus' last night with the disciples. From the time that they're in the upper room together and they share the Last Supper, uh, John chapter 13 begins with Jesus washing his disciples' feet, ends through in John chapter 17 his prayer for believers and for the disciples and for all that would follow after them, uh, which is us in his name. And so John would take out of 21 chapters, five to take place on the last night of Jesus' earthly ministry with his disciples. And that's where he gives them this final word picture. It's number five for us, but inside of Jesus' teaching and how John arranges his gospel, it's the seventh statement. And so as they're gathered together, this is more than a time of teaching. It's a uh, time for Jesus to share with them some last things of what it's going to look like for them after he goes. What it's going to look like that when Jesus is no longer uh, visible and tangible and right there literally walking with them, how they can continue in relationship with him. It's a word of, of promise. It's a word of hope. It's a word of instruction for them. And so let's just clarify this analogy a little bit. He says that I, Jesus, is the vine. He is the source. He is uh, what's giving life, what's giving nourishment. He is what's central inside of their lives and inside of the world. And so Jesus is the vine. And then he says that the, the disciples, and for you and I, we are the branches. We find our life in the vine. We're not the vine. We bear fruit, but we belong to the vine in him. And then he says, my father is the vine dresser. My father is the gardener, another version says. It's interesting that Jesus, who all throughout the Gospels talks about that he's one with the Father and, and their relationship, that here inside of this analogy, Jesus is the vine and the Father is the gardener who prunes and who takes care of the vine. Now, if you want a little weird Bible trivia to impress your friends, uh, if anybody ever asks you, does God the Father have a first name, the answer is yes. It's not some big theological thing, it's simply how it's referred to here. For John, inside of chapter 15, I am the vine and my father is the georgas, is the Greek word. It means gardener, vine dresser. It's also where we get the English first name, George. And so if you're reading through John chapter 15 and you were translating it, literally, you would say, uh, I am the vine and my father is George. So if you ever want to know the first name of God the Father and if that seems a little sacrilegious to you, you can just file, file that away. But uh, anybody named George in here? If so, that's just like being named, you know, Jesus. Uh, that's a pretty, like, meaningful name, although we don't normally think about it that way. And, and so inside of this, like, there are these different personalities that, that maintain different aspects of this imagery. But the main verb in there uh, is this word abide. If you have your NIV version that you read from, it's remain. Another version says to stay connected to this aspect of these all three words kind of go together to add up to the fullness of the meaning that's in the Greek language. And so when I think of what it means to remain, it means that the remains of something, or if I remain behind, it means that something has gone, but, but there's that which stays. And so if I remain at home when everybody else has left, it meant that there once was a number of people, but now only one or two remain still there. There's this aspect of while some have come and gone, there are some who choose to stay. 
the word abide, I don't know if it's the, the noun abode that has this come out for me, but to abide seems to put down roots. I think of abiding in terms of the incarnation where, where Jesus came and he put on flesh and he made his dwelling place amongst us. What it means to abide in the vine is to live in, to find identity in, to find satisfaction and to find a place of permanence in. I like even the language to stay joined to or stay connected because it brings this aspect that there is an ongoing relationship that requires maintenance. Stay joined in me. Stay connected to me. And so I think all three of these words together really bring out the fullness of the meaning that's there of an active daily relationship where we find our dependence and our identity inside of this connection, this relationship with Jesus and with the Father. The words used two other times in the New Testament and in the Gospels in particular, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus sends the disciples out and he gives them instructions that when you get to a certain town, we normally remember the negative part of it, that if they don't receive you, if they don't accept you, you know, shake the dust off your feet, move on, go somewhere else. But before that, he says, if they receive you, remain there, stay there, invest there, connect there. If they receive you, I want you to stay. If not, move on. The other place this used is inside of Matthew chapter 26 when uh, Jesus takes the disciples and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays, again, that, that God would remove this, you know, the cross and, and everything that's happening, that God would step in. He invites the disciples to pray. And he leaves uh, eight of them there. Judas has already left, and he leaves eight of them there. And he asks them to pray. And he says, stay here. And then he takes three of them, Peter, James, and John, a little bit further, and he says, will you stay here and pray? The word there is this word, remain, stay, abide. Will you stay here and pray? And so this word isn't necessarily check off the box, move in, unpack your stuff, and you're good. It has this idea that, that there is a relationship to it, that there's the opportunity to go into a town, you're either going to stay or you're going to leave. Disciples, I want you to remain here, not forever, but for this hour while I go and pray. What this means to stay connected, that there's this conditional relationship that's taking place. Now, I want to say from the outset, this does not mean that we're going down the road in this particular passage of whether or not you can lose your salvation or whether or not there's a, a, fra a, a fragileness, a, a fragility to your relationship with Christ. That's not what it's saying. What it is saying, though, is that there is a responsibility on the part of the believer to stay connected, to stay joined, to make our home in, to abide in the vine. There's a responsibility that we have as well as the responsibility and the initiative that God has taken on our, our behalf. So that, as, as he begins to walk through that, he says, when you live in me and abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's the nature of this relationship that I want to unpack for us a little bit this morning. It sounds simple, it sounds like a, a passive analogy, but it really is uh, quite deep in what it calls us to in terms of living in him. And so I just want to lift up a few different points of this. The first is that, that our life's purpose is to bear fruit. Our life's purpose is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That's what, what it's about. Like, 
the reason that there is a vine and there are branches, the branches exist to bear fruit. They don't exist to look pretty. They don't exist as a barrier so that you can't see in the picture window from the road because we put these branches in the way. In terms of, of this language with a vine and branches, the only reason the branches exist is to bear fruit. That makes complete sense when we talk about vegetation. It gets a little bit harder when we try to live that out. My only purpose in this life is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that everything else gets cast aside, but it means in all that I've been entrusted to do, the main goal and purpose is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And so a few months ago, we said it this way, you were meant to live as a means and not an end. Because your life's end is not you. And if you live in such a way as your life's end is you and your fulfillment and your happiness and the zeros at the end of your bank account and the letters that get extended at the end of your name, eventually your life gets reduced to a set of adjectives at a funeral and a couple of pictures that are on the wall. But if you live for something that is much larger than you, there is meaning, significance, even remembrance far beyond simply just one than what you've been able to amass or accomplish for you. We are meant to live as a means, not an end. You are a branch to bear fruit stemming from the vine. That puts in perspective then this whole idea of pruning. That if there's things that God is trying to cut away or to clean up, or to clean up, and, and Bill walked us through you know, that process back in June and you know, go back and, and listen to that, that podcast and, you know, some just brilliant imagery inside of that. The whole purpose of pruning then is that we bear more fruit. It's not to restrict my life or limit my freedom or take away my fun. But it's to say that if my life is not my own, then whatever needs to change in me to bear fruit for the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, go ahead. Because my life is yours. Quickly, there are two types of fruit. There's the fruit that's born in you and the fruit that's born through you. The fruit that's born in you, there's the fruit of repentance, there's the fruit of growth, there's the fruit of the spirit that comes, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The things get, that get born in you, that day by day your character is being transformed to look more like Jesus. And so if a year goes by and two years go by and you look and say, am I more loving than I was two years ago, more patient, more joy-filled, more self-controlled, if the answer is no, then maybe I'm getting in the way of what the vine is trying to produce in me. Not to try to measure up or make God like me or make other people respect me more, but when I live in him, I begin to look more like him and less like me. The second is fruit that's born through your life. That means that the places where God has you, you are made to make a difference. How you love people, how you pray for people, how you use your, your finances in terms of that it makes a kingdom impact. Whether you extend an invitation, whether you enter into messy, messy situations, all the things that we've been talking about with engage and invite, that there is fruit that's born through your life. Your life is not just for you for the people around you and for the situations where you've been placed. 
Our life's purpose is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Second thing, it's all about the connection. This analogy points to that the quality of the connection is everything to this relationship. You know the quality of a connection, whether it's a battery terminal in your car, that all of a sudden it just has the corrosion has to be like removed out of there for things to get a nice tight connection. It used to be that we understood that in phone language and not as much anymore, but we still refer to a bad connection sometimes. It's all in the connection. The other day I saw a Facebook video where someone was on a high ropes course, 60 to 80 feet in the air, and there was like a, a little, you know, kind of a horizontal ladder that you had to like jump across. And the guy like stepped and then he jumped and then he kind of ran the final steps. And then as he got to the end, the rope just kind of like swung away. It was never connected to his harness. And I've been in situations somewhat like that where you're, you half feel blessed and just insanely scared at the same time of what could have happened. But you know if you've ever been connected to a harness, it's all about the quality of that connection behind you or in front of you. Inside of every relationship, we know the importance of what that connectedness, that when things are connected, if there's communication, if, if things are like going smoothly, what that looks like versus when it's not. We live in a disconnected world. More and more, not just disconnected from one another and isolation and loneliness are on the rise, but more and more we find ourselves disconnected from God even when we know that we should be more connected. Let me just share with you three things that I think relationship-wide in all relationships, three things that, that kind of build and foster connection. The first is communication, honest, authentic, transparent communication, consistent communication inside of any relationship, but especially in this vine-to-branch connectedness is crucial. The second is some degree of interest something that drives the relationship, a, almost a pursuit, that this becomes an intentional focus, not just something on autopilot. Whether that's true in your relationship with your kids or with your spouse, or especially in our relationship with Christ, that there's, there's this pursuit, there's this hunger for something greater than what's currently there. And then I think that the third is, it's always marked by relationships that are healthy, always have some level of deferring in them that I'm willing to defer to you or surrender my rights for the sake of the greater good of what's taking place. What it means in that connectedness from branch to vine, that communication piece, that there's an intentional pursuit and there's also a willingness to surrender that my life is not my own, but I find my life when it's most and best connected to the vine. Author Warren Wearsby says it this way, and this is a little bit small, but I tried to make it fit on two slides. To put it another way, the, the better we know Jesus, the more we will love him. The more we love him, the more we will obey him. And the more we obey him, the more we will abide in him. The more we abide in him, next slide. Sorry, I should be. The, the more fruit we will bear, and the more fruit we bear, the more we will experience life overflowing. It's somewhat of a spiritual chain reaction and begins with our decision to spend quality time with our Lord each day. should be on there. That thing fell off the, the screen somewhere. That chain reaction. Know. Love. Obey. Abide. Bear fruit. 
life overflowing. You don't get there by just making one decision, but a series of decisions over time lived out in that connected relationship from branch to vine. Third thing I want to say this, not, not only is our purpose to bear fruit for the kingdom and the connection, you know, the quality of the connection is everything, but do you know in this reality, one of the things we realize is that all the vine has to offer, all the vine possesses, belongs to the branch. And everything the branch possession possesses belongs to the vine. They are in relationship together. What that means then is that every situation that you walk in, the fullness of God is at your disposal and with you. The fullness of the power of God, the fullness of the wisdom of God, the fullness of God's presence inside of each and every moment is available to us. And time after time we put our faith in Jesus and yet still feel like we're limited to our own resources. All that we has, all that he has is available to us in the situations and the circumstances that we walk into if we find our dwelling place in him. The flip side is also true then that everything about me and everything I possess and every situation I'm in, it's a situation where Jesus can enter into every one of those moments. And so it's all of him for all of me, but it's also all of me for all of him inside of my life. And, you know, I, I think he goes on there and he says, if this is the case, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. And, you know, for most of us, there is a time or two that we experience disappointment with God. Why did God not do this? Why did God do this when I didn't want him to do this? Why did things not turn out the way I wanted to? Why did this situation on a greater scale on the other side of the world take place? And the reality is those are hard, difficult questions that there is no one easy answer. But I will say this. I'm going to say 85 to 90% of the people I talk to that ask this question don't ask it from a standpoint of abiding in the vine. In other words, if you walk, you know, into someone's presence and they've experienced something horrific, and yet there's a deep abiding inside of their life in Christ, they ask different questions and they pray different prayers than the person who is casually and superficially in Christ. Now, I am not saying that unless you're the perfect Christian and, and you have all sorts of biblical knowledge and your life is pure, then, then God's not going to answer your prayers. But I do think that there's something about when we use Jesus simply to make our lives better or more happy, he can never do enough and he can never provide enough and there's always going to be questions. But when we find that peace and that identity and that fullness and that wholeness in him and that relationship, it changes the way we view reality. It changes the way that we deal with difficulty. It changes the way that we process pain. It changes the language that we use when we can pray even for our enemies or difficulties. Because so oftentimes, we want a relationship with Jesus, but just so that our lives are better and that we can do more of what we want to do and be happy and be healthy and everyone around us be good. And occasionally we ask this question, how much of your prayers are about you? And if 95% of your prayers are for you and for your needs and your immediate family, maybe God needs to do something to stretch your identity in him. Because your life and my life is just not about me and about us. 
and about the condition of our lives. Therefore, we don't grade God then based on whether or not I'm happy and have everything the way I want it to be. Is there still disappointment? Absolutely. Are there still questions that we can't answer? Absolutely. Are there still things that take place on a national or international stage that we say, God, why? Definitely. But when we abide in him, it changes the language, language and perspective of how we even approach those things before God. And we can be honest before him about the things that break our hearts. But it comes from a place of an identity in him, not because he's our magic genie that just makes everything good again for us. You weren't meant to live as a vine. You were meant to live as a branch. And apart from him, we'll always end up empty. But in him, there's life. And there's satisfaction. And there's wholeness. And there's the presence of God, even in the midst of difficulty, to know that the fullness of the vine is with me and the fullness of my life is rooted in him. And that's enough. So we all chase meaning and purpose. And I will say that probably at every stage of life that looks different. Maybe you knew exactly what God's purpose for your life was when you were a teenager. Maybe when you first started out in a career and you had young kids, it was pretty clear what God's purpose was for you inside of that season. But we get in other seasons and we wonder, what is it that God has for me? What is it that God wants for me? How do I know that I'm in, in the center of his will? And the reality is God's will for your life is not a thing to figure out. It is, it's a result of what it means to have your life rooted and established in him. And so if, if there's a quality to that connection, and if there's fruit being born in your life and through your life, you will not struggle to know what God's will is. There may be difficult decisions, but there's a peace because the one who guides your life as the one who is leading you into ne to the next chapter. So a few questions as we close. What's the quality of your connection? And I should have highlighted the last three words and not the two in the middle. At this point, not the quality of your connection when you were 14 years old, coming off of Christian camp. Not when you were 28 years old, coming back from women's retreats, or women of faith, or a men's retreat. What's the quality of your connection right now? Because you know inside of a relationship, the quality of the connection is everything. What's the quality of that connection? Last week we talked about hearing God. What's that communication level like? Are we trying to live life well without a strong connection? Remain in me. And I in you, and you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Second is, do you struggle in any way with God's purpose for your life and what this season is producing? If so, I think that, that's an honest question just to lay before God and say, God, where are you bearing fruit inside of my life and am I getting in the way of that fruit-producing work that you're trying to do? Does your life look different now than it did two years ago? Is your life making a difference inside of the, the places and inside of the people that God has placed you amongst? Is your life bearing fruit? Jesus said, I am the vine, and you're the branches. 
My father comes along and he prunes and he cares for every branch that doesn't bear fruit to bear fruit and the ones that are bearing fruit to bear more fruit or better fruit. And if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray together. Let me ask you this morning just to take a moment here as the band is coming up in, uh, to get in place. We sing a final song. What's the quality of your connection? I'm not asking how many times you've been to church or not even necessarily how many times you've been to small group or you've opened your Bible, how many times you've sung a Christian song throughout the week. The question I think goes deeper to that, what's the quality of your connection to your Heavenly Father? Because we know that the quality of the connection determines everything from that point forward. So maybe inside of this moment, before we ever talk about purpose or bearing fruit or all the other questions, maybe this final song is an opportunity just to once again reestablish that connection with a God who loves you and has given his life for you. It's interesting that hours before the cross, Jesus gathers the, the disciples together and he says, I'm, I'm the vine and you all are the branches. You're not going to see me after a couple of days, but if you remain in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Even in the moments where you don't necessarily understand what God is doing, or where God seems silent or God seems in the distance, he still longs to have that connection with you. That your life's purpose and fruit flow out of a connection with Jesus Christ. And so God, I pray inside of these closing moments that you would meet us here that you would strengthen connections that have gone dry or stale, that you would renew a, a connection that's been broken or lost, that you would remind us today that you're the one who's at work inside of our lives and you can be the one that even works through our lives to make a difference. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this word picture. We thank you that our lives are found in you. We ask that you would come, even as we uh, close out this worship service, that you would meet us inside of this time and inside of this place. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand?